You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello! Hello! Look who's here! I know, my eyes are so happy. It's so nice to be here. It's my mother-in-law, Lynn, who is quarantining with us at the moment. This is how much she's missed us. She's come all the way from the United States to basically be under house arrest like Julian Assange. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of similarities. But you pushed it a bit because you... you um flirted with us and said we are desperate to see you is that what i said no yes, yes. i just say anything that comes into my head <laughs> talk about social awkwardness this is an insight into just what comes out of my head to fill a silence a, a, a blur that ended up in a plane ticket being <laughs> now uh in, in terms of social awkwardness there was a a, a somewhat difficult interaction as annabelle arrived oh, because even. lynn you you kind of forced yourself on Annabelle. I was I was excited. I wasn't forcing myself. I was excited. But before you go to give somebody a, a hug, especially in these days, you must ask for consent. Well, I'm American and a little looser. You violated her. I, I was waiting She's, to hug my parents first, but I'm, yes, I'm glad that I had my first hug with you. <laughs> I, I, I don't, you, you didn't hug no, didn't Lynn, though. Like no. You were the victim of a hug. You, you didn't hug back. You what did I say? I can't remember. You it's all, said it, was, I'm it was 10 minutes ago and it's all a blur. No, you said you, said you were saving yourself for your parents. Is that why I said? I thought it was a little odd. <laughs> I think it's romantic. <laughs> That's exactly, a little odd. Uh, but honestly, I've not hugged anyone for a very long time, and I, I forgot. I forgot what I was supposed to do. I freaked out. But what about your lover, Tom? Are you, are you no, two of you not hugging? We've been together for a while now. <laughs> <laughs> hug, hugging days are long over. Why would we hug? Why? I'm always pouring at my wife. Oh, lucky her! <laughs> lucky her! No, I can't remember the last time I hugged someone. So, is there anything you'd like to say to Annabelle in the light of the conversation that we just had about the hugs? Mm-hmm. I was so excited to see you. I haven't seen you since we went to Yorkshire together. Oh, yeah, to, um, what was it called? Hebden Bridge. Hebden Bridge. Bridge. Club. My mind. Which, yes. by the way, is on one of the best places to see in the Chicago travel section. I'm not even slightly surprised. UK. Amazing, yeah. 
And that was the last time we saw each other, which must be two long. years ago, three years. Knock, knocking on for two years, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. That's what, so I was so excited yeah. to see you. Mm. They don't know I'm making eye contact with Annabelle, right? No, but I do. But what's really impressive is that Annabelle is sustaining that eye contact, mm-hmm. which is I can't atypical. hug, but I'm getting very good at eye contact. <laughs> Well, um, so so the, the moral of the story is you must ask for consent. Even though hugs are now state mandated, you can't just go uh, g- grabbing people willy-nilly. Now, the other thing I wanted to discuss, which I think fits into the overall theme of the podcast, is mm. Lynn cooked for us the other night. Do you want to describe what you cooked? Which, what, the, the vegan mm-hmm. the vegan bolognese? Yes. Did not go over. Don't you, well, don't, don't, let, let's I made let's let vi- this unfold. You don't need to give us the ending. or Let's, <gasps> let's let it unfold. I'm trying to... Um, Help Lynn with, uh, with with some of the basics of telling a story. The idea of a I beginning, no a middle, arc. and an end, and an arc. Yeah. I brought a vegan bolognese sauce recipe that I had tried twice in America. Mm-hmm. What was the base? Um, Lentils? It, no. No. Walnuts. Oh. And mushrooms. Sounds delicious. Okay. It, and it, we thought it, Joe and I thought it was quite good the first time. And I brought it up to Wisconsin where we met some friends. No, no that's the, 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 these are the bits. <laughs> of the, that, that bit of the story isn't isn't necessary. Okay. It doesn't serve the plot of this particular I'm learning this incident. Is a class. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And and I made it for Jeff and Sarah, mm. thinking they would love it. And well, they- and, and let me tell you something. Lynn Lynn made this. Sauce for us the other night mm-hmm. because, in a way, oh. that that's how you like to, it's, it's part of your love language, isn't it? You like to cook for people, e- even in their it houses. Is. So, uh, Lynn made this sauce the other night and uh, uh, served it to us with pasta. Mm-hmm. At the end, she said, How was it? Do you know what I said? Go on. I said, it was fantastic. I really like that. It's got such flavour to it, such depth of flavour, which sometimes you don't get with those sauces. It's really good. The walnuts really add something to it. Um, you must you must leave the recipe. Because I know in the recipe it suggests using Marmite, which Lynn didn't do because no. Americans can't eat Marmite. <laughs> um, but I thought I'd love to try it with Marmite as well. It was so nice. Thank you so much. I, I loved that. that. That was my response. Yeah. At which point... Yeah. Sarah tells her she didn't really care for it. Oh. Joe tells her that he didn't really care for it either. Oh. And then no. he said it wasn't as good as the first time. Right? Yes, it's a, yeah. That's a, a polite way of saying the same thing. And then Sarah throws me under the bus by telling her that I don't really like it either, which I don't. <laughs> but why would you say that to somebody? No, you're supposed to do what you did and say it was absolutely delicious. Exactly. Well, no, so, so is... then this gets into a conversation. So Sarah says. My mum just wants to hear the honest truth. And this, this is what you say, is it? What I do. Yeah. I'd rather you tell me the truth because why, why would I want a false, false compliment? Here's why. It's not like you're opening a restaurant and you're doing a little focus group on what the dishes you're going to cook for the public are like. It is something you've made for me that, given that we live in separate, con- different countries, we're, you're probably never going to make that for me again. You, you have a vast repertoire. You're always cutting recipes out of the newspaper. And, and you're probably not going to make that again. So it doesn't, it doesn't behoove me. I, by, by me telling you, well, you could tweak it this way. I didn't really like it. Let's try something else next time. It doesn't, it doesn't get me anywhere because you'll try something else next time anyway. It is slightly legitimate that your husband should give you feedback on it because presumably he might eat it more than once. But it's very unlikely I'm going to eat it more than once. So that's why I don't want to give you the honest truth because you've you've shown me a kindness by cooking for you uh, for, by cooking for me and the appropriate response is a gracious thank you that was delicious even if it was borderline inedible which it wasn't that bad it was, no. just, it was just sort of mediocre and had too many walnuts in it 
But I think that it would be more truthful and more... But the yeah, truth doesn't excuse matter. Excuse me, can I finish? No. <laughs> <laughs> I think the truth matters, and in an intimate relationship, which I think we have a decent, close relationship, you do call me every day at noon, um, that... Um, do you hold on. You call her every day at noon. No, I occasionally call her. And, often, no. often. <laughs> noon, my time. Right, right. Um, it, it, I appreciate the honesty because that is what's flattering, to tell mm. me honestly. No, it's not because it's – so you've put all this effort into something that somebody's gone, ah, I don't think so, which is how you operate in your family. But I, I'm firmly of the belief that if somebody gives you a gift that they've put some thought into, the act of the giving, which in your case is the cooking, is the kindness they're showing you, and then – what you then need to contribute to that interaction is making them feel good about themselves by telling you what a great gift it was, which is what I did by telling. So it just but made it's, you. F- it's the giving that's the gift. It's not how the food tastes. No. The giving is the effort and the no, love. No, that's the and bad bit. And you can bit. say how. That's a- the bad bit. I-, I disagree. And you can say how much you appreciate. That I, no, I I'm not going to say that. I'm not going to say, oh, I'm really glad that you stood in my kitchen for hours slaving over a hot stove to make this disgusting food that <laughs> I wish disgusting. wish I'd got a takeaway instead. I'm not going to say that to you, am I? Well, no, but that you, that's not how you talk to other people. But that's how your family talk to each my other. My family does not talk to each you're other. Telling you're telling me your, your, your wife wouldn't no. be that, uh, sorry, my wife and your daughter wouldn't be that blunt. I think there's a way of saying, I really appreciate I really appreciate the effort you made. It's it's so lovely of you to do all that, and I know you. But I don't care for this. I'm going to scrape it into the bin. No, you don't have to. That's not nice. (laughs) You just say. What do you think, Annabelle? Yeah, Annabelle. You know exactly what I think. Everything. Everything's lovely. Yeah. I wouldn't dream yeah. of telling anybody, like even even Tom. I wouldn't yeah. if he made something disgusting. I would be like, "That was lovely, yeah. thank you." I'd keep the food in my cheeks like a hamster, yes. and then go and spit it into the toilet rather than. Be- and I would and I would eat it every night because he if, that, if that's what he was giving me, and every night I'd say that was lovely, thank you. I just can't do it. Can't really? do it. I know it's pathetic. Really, we're pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> if I make something that we that Joe can't stand, which has happened only twice in our fifty-one-year-old marriage, she says, "To your knowledge." Maybe he's not as honest as no. you like, would like people to be. <laughs> I, I don't think you get to comment on his honesty. Um, <laughs> um, he has said this wasn't really a hit. Well, that's a nice way of saying it. Yeah, well, that's what I'm trying to train you to do, Jeff. Just say, I really... But pre- what am I going to gain by doing that? My respect. Oh, oh. I don't crave that. Oh. I just crave approval, not respect. And my approval, my love, my that's respect, all, all... my admiration. You don't want any of those? But I'm so good at pretending that I enjoy food that you would never know. It's only because your daughter yeah, can't well, keep her mouth closed. My daughter has a big mouth, so mm. as does her mother. <laughs> well, I think we're witnessing a cultural divide here. Yeah. Maybe we'll just you say respect each other's cultures. <laughs> I, Annabelle, I respect mm. your British culture. You too. Jeff, I respect it. I hope you respect mine. Yes. Will you come back to help us with the GLAP clinics? You've been talking to me about this during your stay. Yes, I would. I would oh, love to, good. but I'm not sure my opinions are going to be are going to fly or be a hit in this culture. <laughs> well, we'll see. <laughs>
Well, that's been uh, my week. Let's hear from the drifters. Firstly, Lizzie, I went to my local library this week. It's run by unpaid volunteers, all of whom are lovely and all of whom are 70 plus. I asked if they had a copy of David Baddiel's new book. About- I just I just bought that. Oh, OK. I just bought it uh, for uh, because I've heard good things about it, no. number one. In fact, amazing things I've heard about it. Number two, when Lynn visits, she is always picking up whatever is lying around. And I know for a fact that she will really enjoy it. And I think Sarah's very curious about it Okay, as okay. well. He's, he's, he's brilliant. Do you know what it's about? Um, no, not really. It's, um, it, it's, it's kind of about how in recent years we have become very mindful of different identities be those ethnic identities or other kinds of minorities stuff to do with gender sexuality and and so on and yet a lot of the old tropes about jewish people still seem acceptable because people have this idea in the head that there's an amount of privilege that goes with being jewish which of course is perhaps a little bit of an anti-semitic trope in itself okay yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's, but okay. you know he, yeah. that makes it sound much duller than it is he's, mm. he's such a brilliant writer yeah, and he brings yeah. it alive and he argues it so well okay so lizzie goes on to say the title of said book is quite controversial out of context so i didn't say the title out loud and hope the volunteer would search the database for books by david Badil. <laughs> To my horror, she asked, what's the title? Not wanting to say the title out loud, I simply said, it's uh, David Baddiel's most recent book. Behind her mask and behind the perspex screen, I could <gasps> see the volunteer was confused by my evasiveness. Mm. She asked again, what's the title? I was getting a little anxious. I said, I could write it down for you. And I began <laughs> to look for a pen. She said, that's okay, just tell me. I panicked. I considered the fact that we were both wearing masks, divided by a screen, and considering the volunteer was roughly mid-70s and maybe hard of hearing, I blurted out in a flustered shriek, Jews don't count! (laughs) Turns out I do a lot of shrieking as an adult. (laughs) It was awful. She said nothing in return. She just went over to the computer to search for it. Upon hearing my cry, three other volunteers peeped out from the staff area to see who had uttered this hateful cry. In a pitiful attempt to mollify this awful situation, I announced to no one in particular, I didn't feel good saying that. No one said anything. The silence was deafening. I mean, it is a library, to be fair. (laughs) The volunteer told me it was on loan due back in May. I thanked her and fled. Can I ever go back to my local library again? <laughs> That's so funny because when I bought it on Saturday, they said you need a bag and I try not to take bags if I can help it. So, mm. And then as I was walking down the street, I made sure that I held it in such a way that it was apparent that it was by David Baddiel and whatever the reading line is about identity politics. Uh, I wanted to have that on yes. display. Yes, yes. Not just have the title showing. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure he thought about this when it came to like <laughs> asking for it in libraries. Or did he? Yeah. Uh, and this is from Craig. Firstly, a bit of backstory. I have what I like to call a horrible ex. It was my first real relationship from about 10 years ago, which somehow lasted three years, but involved many low points, a fair amount of bullying, manipulation and emotional immaturity mm. and just an underlying level of toxicity largely on her side I feel like this relationship was one of the main trigger points for my current drift of status I was delighted when we split up and was happy to never have to see her again importantly she had been working as a dental nurse at a surgery not close to where I lived so I had no worries about bumping into her ever again 
cut to today and my trip for a routine checkup at a new dentist. As a drifter, I generally don't mind the dentist given that there's things going on in my mouth and no expectations of small talk. But I walk through the front door and as soon as I look up in front of me, guess who is standing there? It's almost as if she was expecting me to arrive that second. Cue, awkward, hello. She tells me to wait in the reception area and the receptionist will sort me out. I stand and gawp for a few seconds, which felt like an eternity, not knowing what to say, my disbelief masked handily by my face covering. I sit down for a minute and think to myself, please, God, do not let her be my dental nurse. Two minutes later, Craig, you come through. It's her. She's in the room with the dentist, who's seemingly unaware of our checkered history. Checkup is all fine. I get a nice x-ray. Dentist does his thing brilliantly. Checkup ends. Dentist asks me to stand up and look at the x-rays, as if I know what on earth they could be showing me anyways. <laughs> I get out of the chair, not noticing the foot power buttons at the bottom of the dentist chair. Somehow manage to step on one, which immediately triggers gas to start spurting out <laughs> of an adjacent machine directly onto my person. The dentist awkwardly tells me to watch my step while he turns it on. And meanwhile, I'm fully aware that my horrible ex is behind the dentist and was witness to this full interaction. I head back to reception to arrange my follow-up. Friday, 11th of June, receptionist asks. And without thinking, I say, yeah, that's fine. At this stage, my ex is also behind the reception desk doing God knows what and asks me if I had been bad. I assume referring to the couple of fillings I needed doing in my follow-up appointment. Something like that, I retort, not wanting to get into any kind of back and forth. I then suddenly remember aloud, ah, 11th of June, that's the day before my birthday. The receptionist offers to change the appointment date, but at this point, the die has been cast, there is no going back. But it might be sore for your birthday, says X. She's right, of course, but I'd rather do anything than take her advice. So I stick to my guns and book in 11th of June follow up. (laughs) So that's me having a very sore mouth on my 30th birthday and also wondering if cavities and decay are the preferred option to ever visiting (laughs) this dentist again. I mean, that's that's what I would. I would switch dentists. Yeah, definitely. I had a thing recently where I took my son to see an optometrist who I didn't care for. Mm. And he's like, okay, we need to do this, this and this. Uh, Come back, I need to order these particular drops to put in the eyes. So make an appointment in about a week. And I knew as he was saying it, oh, we're never coming back here again. I don't care for you. I said, oh, yeah, of course, of course, of course. And then as... um, as soon as I came out, I found a different optometrist and he rang a couple of times and I blocked the number on my phone. Oh, <laughs> can I ask? Yeah. What were the key things that made you not care for him? Or do you not want to say? No, I'll, t- I'll tell you what it was. Mm. I, for, for one reason or another, I have had to see a number of specialists with my son and all of them, to a greater or lesser extent, have a good way about them with children. Mm. This guy didn't. It's quite likely we're going to have to see whoever we see a number of times. And I just want my son to have going to the opticians or the optometrist as a nice experience mm. rather as something where he, he feels uncomfortable. Fair enough. Wasn't a very funny answer, though, was no, it? No, no, but I like the fact that you've ghosted him. <laughs> We should do uh if you've if you've got um I mean it's we've touched on it before running away from a situation, mm. but ghosting professionals. Oh yeah. Being nice yes. to their face and then ghosting them is quite good, isn't it? Mm, yeah, very yeah, see if we get anything back on that. Annabelle. Mm. 
let's have another way in which you're not a fully functioning adult. What's that little bang you did there? Sorry, I don't want to talk about it. Making your attention, a little little cry for help. (coughs) Need for attention as well. Tapping the mic to see if it's working. Oh, so yes, I think of all the ways I've described myself as not fully functioning, this may be the closest I've got to actually describing insanity. I'm admitting this straight away. Okay. It's been something that I've been thinking about talking about for a while, but keep putting it off because (laughs) I'm worried that I sound mad. Oh, I can't wait. And I know that you're going to have no patience for this at all. But I do want to say Mm. that I might have no patience for it, but whenever you say something Mm. that you think, I'm the only person in the world who thinks like this, Mm. it really clicks with other people. We will see. Okay. The I'll be key very, I'll to be, the universal lies in the specific, Annabelle. One of the main reasons I'm saying this out loud is because I want to know if someone else has this. Okay. I would love to know. It's not just me. Okay. So it's in the same, it's kind of in the same ballpark. I think that it will be to you as my belief that photocopiers can pick up the user's mood and start jamming paper if the user is stress, stressed. A belief was once ridiculed by Professor Brian Cox, but what does he know? Yes, let's, let's leave that. There. I may not have scientific, but proof. you don't really have much sense of humour about the fact that <laughs> Professor Brian Cox ridiculed that no, theory that you told him. None, because yeah, you know, obviously he knows about a lot of the, the cutting edge theories to do with the universe and multiverses and quantum physics. You were keen to share your theory mm-hmm. with him, and he, he sort of gave it the short shrift. I may not have scientific proof to back up that theory, but I have anecdotal evidence from working in staff rooms and also for many years working in office where my desk was next to, next to a photocopier. A lot of anecdotal evidence mm. to back myself up. Anyway, I didn't mean to get bogged down in that no, at no, all. No. What I wanted to talk about is back scratching. Okay. Now, we can all agree that having your back scratched is amazing. Agreed? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I often wonder why there are no professional services offering this. Like, I'd rather have a back scratch than a back massage. Yes. Like, much rather. Yes. So why can't I go to, like, have my back scratch somewhere? It doesn't make any sense to Gap me. Gap in the market, post-COVID. Massive. Yeah. Anyway, this is where it's going to start getting a bit weird. Okay. I'm, li- I'm actually feeling a bit nervous. Don't now. worry about it. I think I've got special powers when it comes to back scratching. Okay. When I scratch another person's back, mm-hmm. my fingernails have got a sixth sense oh, that lets God. them know where to scratch next. It's really hard to describe, so I don't think there are words for it, but it's like a tingling. Like I know which bit, to, I know which bit needs it next. It's an instinct. It's like my fingernails can talk to back skin. Only back skin, though. I tried to Google if this is a thing, but it doesn't appear to be. Hmm. So one of four things is happening here. In order of how much I want them to be true, starting with what I most want to be true. Number one, I am the only person in the world with this unique talent. That's what I would feel like. I'd feel like I had a real gift for scratching other people's backs. Mm -mm. Number two, I'm not the only person, although it is quite rare, but I am the first person to speak out about this talent and soon more will join me. Like you're a special breed apart. Exactly. Number three, lots of people can do this, but everyone has been too afraid to talk about it for fear of sounding weird. But now that I've done it, it will open the floodgates all thanks to me. And you're going to be hailed as some kind of hero like when Susan Cain wrote that book about introverts. Yeah. Yeah. Number four, I'm totally deluded. Yeah. Mm. I recently introduced my son to having his back scratched. At first, he loved it so much. It's the first thing he'd ask for in the morning. And he'd regularly stop in the middle of the street and demand a scratch. (laughs) 
So the big question is, bear in mind, it's probably option one. I'm probably the sole possessor of this incredible talent. Hang on, no, no, you've moved on from the sun thing too quickly. Now, how is That's how it started. How has it ended? It's like, mum, I don't want my back scratch. No, he loves it. It's... it's it's the wearing off a bit. Right. He's like only asked maybe twice a day rather than fifteen. Are you times asking a day. him? No. What can I can I scratch your yes. back? Literally never. I'm finding it like oh, we'll scratch the back again. I think I can't remember now, but I, I, we could shout downstairs, but uh, I can't be bothered. Mm. We've heard enough from that family. <laughs> um, I think Lynn used to get up to something where she would lie down and get her kids to scratch her back or walk up and down on her back or something. Can't blame her. Back scratching is amazing. Yeah. So go on. How can I monetize it is what I'm thinking. Yes. And I'm wondering a back scratching salon. Yes. Long wait list. Celebrity endorsers. Yes. That's as far as I got. <laughs> I really think you could be onto something. How mental do you think I sound? Quite mental. Yeah, I thought so. But but here's 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 the thing I think mm. you've tapped into. Number one. I think you're very good at I'm I'm quite bad at I I think if Sarah ever needs me to scratch her back mm. just getting me to the right place to begin with is is irritating to her. I'm so bad at it. And my my scratch is poor. My instinct is the opposite of yours. I then take it to another place that she doesn't want her back scratched. So, so, so up, so, up, down, down, yeah, left, left, yeah, right, yeah, right, yeah, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you don't have that. So no. so that's special. Isn't it? Because of that, you're hyper aware of this gap in the market that is there, but people don't know exists. Mm. You just need to make some kind of cod science around it. Like, remember that thing, cupping? Yes. And people were putting cups on it. What if Paltrow did it? Yeah. So what what was it? Didn't you get it done? No, I think I tried to get it done, but it's a, I think it's a Chinese Chinese medicine thing where oh. you put a special suction type cup yeah. on and it's like having a giant love bite. Like right. it sort of sucks, sucks, sucks the skin up. And I can't, I can't remember why it's supposed to be good for you, right. but it is. But, well, here's what you do. Mm. You pretend that some... Culture from history used to do. Let's let's say the Vikings. Say so they look like they they have itchy backs. <laughs> they do. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. They do. Yeah. They really do. So it's an old Viking thing. Mm. Get some rune, some logo with some runes in it and stuff. Make up a name, like learn some old Norse mm. or watch a Scandi noir, write a couple of words down. And it's got to be something how it's going to change your life. Yeah. Like it's going to improve your life. Exactly. Somehow. Release some chi. That yeah, sound yeah, realistic. Yeah, yeah, make it a bit more Viking-y. Viking-y. You know, you've got, okay. you got to pick up some buzzwords from the Vikings. Okay, okay. Skull is a good one. <laughs> Might be the only one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and, and then... What, as you say, you need. You, you've got a respectable amount of Twitter followers, but it's not the thing that's. You, you, you're not going to launch this yourself. Mm. You just need to find a celebrity yeah. who you can rope into it and say it's got special powers. And I was thinking maybe Professor Brian Cox. Oh. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com.
let me tell you three things that don't really go anywhere, but hopefully the combined effect of the three of them will be greater than the sum of its parts. Okay. Number one, have you got the NHS app that has your vaccinations in it? Oh, no. Are you aware of what I'm talking about? No, I don't. I didn't know about it. I'm going to get it. The NHS app, if you put your number into it and, and then it has to go through some steps to verify you, will have in there a very truncated version of your medical record and a section which shows what your vaccination status is. Okay. So I really wanted this. Mm. It's quite exciting to think that my phone would just know that I'd had my two doses. Oh, yeah, two now? Oh, yeah, yeah, a couple of weeks ago. Oh, great. Yeah, yeah, thanks. Um, yeah, fully dosed on Pfizer. You're done. I'm a real 100% Pfizer guy now. Yeah. Um, anyway, so I really wanted this app. I download it, I put in all my details, I put in my NHS number and the name of my doctor's surgery, and then, because obviously this stuff, data protection, privacy, is very serious with this kind of thing, it needed to check that I was who I say I am. So I had to upload the photo page from my passport, and I then had to take a selfie and it had to cross-reference those two things. Oh. And I got a message saying, uh, we will now need to verify your uh, information. You will receive a notica- notification uh, if this is successful. If not, we'll ask you for more information. Right. About a few hours later, I get an email. The NHS app has verified your identity. I felt like it was such a victory. Yes, because how old was that passport photo? Well, actually, if you remember, it's from last year. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's more the fact that I was expecting to fail. I was expecting to fail the test of me being who I say I am, even though I'm no, I know that I'm me. That's how much failure is ingrained Yes, into exactly. Yeah, yeah. I just expect things to go wrong and I expect right. to fail. That when that email come through, I really felt like it was a triumph. That's amazing. <laughs> That's the first thing. I love that. Okay. Second thing, and this really has no substance to it. I went out today, went for lunch with my wife in a restaurant mm-hmm. while her parents napped. The restaurant was somewhat nice. So I thought... I'm going to get really dressed up. I'll, I'll make sure that I'm I'm quite presentable. Mm-hmm. Did that busy place, moved around the city a bit, came home, realised I'd been wearing double corduroy, but not matching. Oh, so corduroy trousers and corduroy shoes. No, corduroy trousers and a corduroy jacket? Yes. But not matching. Different colours or different styles? The thickness of no, cord? No, no. Jumbo gr- cord? Grey gray trousers, navy blue jacket. Uh-oh. I think it's humiliating. Really? Double corduroy is, is terrible. Far worse than double denim, which is a look you can kind of yeah. rock. But I'm usually so on the ball with that. Mm. I don't know what's gone wrong with me. I don't know myself. Yeah. Okay. See what I mean about not not really having any substance to it. No, but you know, it was the it was the middle bit. Let's move yeah, on to the last I bit. I even thought about including this thing about as you go through life, the things you accumulate. So whenever I say the word corduroy now, um, for for years I didn't think anything about the word corduroy. 
And then when I spend a lot of time in Sweden, I noticed in the clothes shops, corduroy as a fabric over there is called Manchester. Oh, yeah, really? So I would say circa 2005, 2006, whenever I hear the word corduroy, I think Manchester. Mm. Sometime after that, I read a quote from George Harrison where he's talking about the fact that he doesn't really feel that the Beatles were as appreciated by the British establishment as they should be. I think that's what the quote's about, but he's basically saying we made Britain swing and we sold all that corduroy for them, basically saying that the Beatles made were a big boost to the British fabric industry. So then, after I read that quote, whenever I heard the word corduroy, I thought of the fact that it's Manchester in Swedish and that George Harrison quote. And then I would say about four years ago, I interviewed a comedian, a really funny comedian called Sam Simmons. Mm. And I was wearing a corduroy jacket at the time and he has a phobia of corduroy and I took it off to try and make him feel easier. There's something about the fabric that... So now if I say that word, always, without fail, those three things come into my head. Wow, it must be exhausting you, being you. But exhausting. You know, but, Everyone but, else is just thinking corduroy. Yeah, but those three things are now attached to Whoa, the word corduroy, so I can't so hear much. it without those three things coming to the front of my mind. And I think ooh, may, ooh. maybe, you know, may, maybe I'll see the year out, but maybe, if I'm unlucky, I'll live for many more decades. What other things am I <laughs> going to accumulate that go with the word corduroy? It could be up to 50 things you're having to, like, It's process. exhausting. It's exhausting. So, so... There we go. I've, I've, I'm, did I make? Did I just make that middle thing better or worse by adding that on top of it? For me, it was a very interesting insight. So better. I wonder if other people have those things. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have one thing. Yeah, no, but, I, but I've got layers. Layers. Lot, yeah. This is what happens when you live too long. <laughs> and then the third thing I was just going to talk about a conversation we had before the podcast today, mm. where even though you are eating vegan the overwhelming majority of the time. Mm. Do you have a majority of time? Is that right language? Mm, I think so. Uh, anyway, you won't describe yourself as, as vegan. I worry that because I do occasionally like have a bit of cake or a bit of chocolate occasionally, I worry that a someone who is vegan and, and doesn't have occasional bits of chocolate and cake will be angry with me. Because you like if if I was if, if you were being a vegetarian, you'd be annoyed if someone occasionally had a bacon sandwich, maybe. Yeah. So so if somebody says oh, I'm a vegetarian, but I sometimes eat chicken or I sometimes mm. eat bacon, mm. I think you're not a vegetarian, and that, that you you're right to intuit that that was annoying. Yeah. yeah. That is an annoying thing to say. So if someone says I'm a vegan, and then accepts a piece of chocolate, yeah, or dips a buttered piece of toast into a boiled egg. Mm once a month mm. you're not a vegan yeah but I, f- I think i've given you the perfect solution because it's really what what you're now having to say to people is i'm vegetarian but uh i try not to eat um i eat very dairy. little dairy yeah, i say i'm very, vegetarian yeah. but i eat very little dairy yeah yeah which is you sound kind of pleased with yourself for saying that i think oh right so, yeah i'm a vegetarian but i eat very little dairy not like these other <laughs> vegetarians who are eating a lot of dairy that's what it sounds right. like right oh gosh okay because those vegetarians thought- we're, we're very conscious about the fact that we've lost the uh, moral eye ground i hadn't thought of that okay there was a article about how vegetarians have been sidelined i saw that yeah yeah yeah, yeah all those years on the moral high ground and now where are we mm. so you suggest so so my suggestion is when you say somebody says oh you're vegan you say 80 percent 
And that's okay. I'm 80% vegan. Yeah. That's the least annoying way to phrase my annoying dietary habits. Okay. If somebody says to me, vegetarian or vegan, I'll say I'm vegetarian, but maybe 40% vegan at this point. Okay. I hope that solved a problem for a lot of people because it's been really bothering me about how to say it without annoying anyone. Yeah. And I think that you can take that same principle to pescatarianism, vegetarian. You won't annoy a vegetarian by saying, I'd, I'd, I'd. I try, I'd say 80% of the time or 70% of the time. Mm. But you will annoy them by saying, I'm vegetarian, but I eat fish. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, good, good. So I feel like I've just gifted that Mm. to to both you and the listeners. Yes. All in, those three things. Mm -hmm. Work as a little package. It would do me. A little triumvirate. Do me. Good. A little trio. (laughs) (laughs) Wish I hadn't done that. Not going to edit it out, though. Time now for the Glap Clinic in Problematic, featuring special guest adjudicator, judge, jury. (laughs) What? What What did you say? You said a Jew? I said adjudicator. (laughs) You said a Jew. Well, I mean, that is factually true, but I would never. factually true. Okay. Uh, My uh, mother-in-law, Lynn, is back to help with this. Now, Lynn, on this visit, you've been, because we're cooped up together, uh, you've been offering some candid opinions on various things. And and you were saying that you find the, the GLAP clinic and the issues that arise in this segment of the podcast somewhat difficult to relate to. I find that the answers are easier for me than the two of you seem to have. I, 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 well, I'm glad you're here. Very glad you're here. We're going to hand over to you then, are we? But I think it's fair to well, say that whilst, whilst, although you uh, listen to the podcast and occasionally uh, <laughs> occasionally go and have a look at the, the uh, official, official Drifters Facebook group, you yourself do not relate to some of the social awkwardness described in the No, but I would say that I'm becoming more of a drifter during COVID. I love lockdown. Wow, that's good. Interesting. Yeah. Good to hear that. It's making you more socially awkward and I, uncomfortable awkward, in your own skin. Just more hidden. No, 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 no. I just don't have to be out there talking to everybody. Mm. I'm ranking my level of friendship. Oh, just yeah. Tier one. It's okay. With That'll me. do yeah, for now. Yeah, it's fine. Right, um, shall we get to it? Yes, then? so ready. Let's have that for the first one then. From Caroline. I'm delighted that yoga studios are open again and gladly booked in for a class this evening. In lockdown, I've been doing classes in the comfort of my own bedroom and have, I guess, developed a more relaxed attitude to my practice. Tonight, in my first class back after seven months, whilst going into a standing pigeon pose, I trumped. Oh! <gasps> It was a comedy trump, loud, and like I'd blown a raspberry with my mouth. Nobody said a thing at first. The teacher said, oh, but then carried on. Then the chap, who was socially distant behind me, said, not guilty, and there was a good-natured titter in the class. I said nothing and employed the port protocol, but for the rest of the class was haunted by the fact that I had had the opportunity to fess up and break the ice and admit it was me, allowing hilarity to ensue and being a fun heroine of the class. Instead, I wimped out and made myself and also the class feel awkward. But also, I guess nobody could be absolutely sure it was me, but then may also have been sure it was me, but now thinks I'm uptight about bodily functions, which is not true. I'm just a drifter and don't know the proper etiquette. What should I have done in these circumstances? 
I mean, I we'll, we'll come to Lynn last because it's interesting to hear her her, her her different perspective on this. I'm sure she'll have a fun thing to say about the fact that Trump is a, a British word. I'm looking forward to a humorous comment uh, relating to that, which we can all enjoy. But what? So, I think it's very difficult because mm. you, you've got a very small window. You had that window after the yes. guy had said not guilty, and it was a small window. To say guilty yes. as charged. And and you were possibly doing the run-up on your head. Mm. You're probably overthinking it. And then you knew that you'd missed the window. Yes. And, there, and after that, there's nothing you can do. Mm. I had a similar situation when I was eight and there was a boy in my class at school called Stephen who drew a picture of a nudie lady on the blackboard during indoor playtime. Mm. And I looked at it, having never seen a nudie lady and felt it was an inaccurate representation <laughs> and made some adjustments. After playtime ended, the teacher came in and said, who did this? And I had the chance to own up. But because I wasn't the kind of kid who did that kind of thing, it was just assumed it wasn't me. Mm. And the guy who had drawn the original biologically in- inaccurate, um, poorly proportioned version took all the flack for it. And I felt, I, I still to this day harbour a certain amount of guilt about really? it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Um, but the moment you know, the moment of confession passed is what happened it's, here, it's isn't it? It's that very yeah. small window and, and not everyone's going to be able to jump into that window no. quickly enough. Like, no. I think most of us would be, would be like, oh, I don't know, what, and then it's gone. It's like those of us when we go into a shop mm. and the person working in the shop or maybe the person delivering your parcel has a bit of banter ready to go. Mm. You either are the person who can just volley it back or you freeze, and I think we are people who freeze in, in that scenario. Even though, given a bit of time to work on something, we come up with a killer zinger. <laughs> um, but it is awkward because yes. everyone probably does know it's you, so yeah, it is a bit awkward. So, what, if, so, so what, what she's asking really is next time, what, what would you but, do next yeah, time? Yeah, poor protocol, because you, you can't go to the class. and Because the thing is, when these things happen to you, you obsess about them in a way that, everybody else forgets even though that would be quite a memorable incident i'm sure a week later fortnight later whatever it is people aren't thinking about it and for you to go into that class and say gather round <laughs> now you may remember there was an incident where somebody passed flatus i mean it's, you have to let it go yeah, yeah, you have yeah. to live with that shame for the rest yeah, yeah. you what you have to do is you have she to take that shame and and she like here really get it okay. and you have to squash it down you have to squash it down inside of you un, with all the other shame mm. and just let it come back and haunt you at random moments throughout your, the rest of your life but if it happens again could she for example go oh me again the phantom farter yes yeah absolutely yeah so yeah. she could have something prepared for yes, next time yes yeah 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 work on your zinger okay yeah that, that, well, that wasn't it, a great you, one yeah 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 <laughs> yeah okay. okay let's move so on lynn, to no, so lynn. now we need to know what lynn thinks Wait, tell me again what was the time frame why didn't she say something? it was just a very it's just a very the timing wise it's quite short like he said not guilty and then she had a chance to jump so, in guilty and, she, oh, and oh, that was me and, and she missed the moment i would just say leave it alone but i totally disagree with jeff to what's to be ashamed of Oh, you think it's fine to do a... Well, I don't think it's fine, but thought. I think it's it's unfortunate to end up feeling shame and, you know, it's it wasn't fatal. So so you no. don't go through your life just going about your day and then you'll 
feel a terrible pang of anxiety about some silly thing you said at a party in 1997 or something. Oh, no, I don't. Oh, what? what? Who what are you? you? Mean? <laughs> what do you mean? I want to do one of those things where you go into someone else's body and live there. What's that called? I want to do that. <laughs> astral projection astral or something. Projection. Yeah, I want to astral oh, project that. into you yeah. and live in yeah. you. No, what's How the wonderful. point of beating yourself up about that kind there of thing? There is no point, obviously. No, it's, it's unavoidable. But where, where does it go? Where does that embarrassment go for you then? So if you did, what? if you just puffs away, if you did a fart in a yoga class, how would you handle it? What would you do? If if it was really, really loud, really, oh, really loud. It, well, in my Tai Chi class, <laughs> okay, <laughs> keep going, keep going. Jim Dugo, who was a big, big guy, he's done it and just leaves it alone. And I think once, I hate to say, I did a little, yeah. and. <laughs> And 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 I ignored it. You just ignored it. But I That's forgot you about just it, it until now. Why should we be embarrassed? We and and be now that you're thinking about it now, how what what feeling stirs up inside of you? Not much. Okay, let me give you another scenario because this happened to me somewhat recently. Right. You you've ordered some takeaway food. It's a pizza. A guy brings it to the door. As he gives it to you, he says, "Enjoy your pizza," and without thinking, you go, "Oh, you too." Oh, mortifying. What, and then you f- you feel horrified. That feeling of, of horror and embarrassment, where do you put it? Well, first of all, I wouldn't feel that horror about whatever you said. And and can't you just say, oops, I meant you have a nice day, or uh, can't you just... No, because I just froze him with embarrassment in the moment, and I just oh. need him to, to leave. What are you embarrassed about? I've said really? a silly. I've said a silly thing in what front of a stranger. Wrong? You know that that we get along because we're silly. What's wrong with being yourself in front of a stranger? That you've said something. What is wrong with that? Maybe they should do some kind of drifters masterclass for us all <laughs> in, in how to move on from excruciating it's moments. Not, it's not. These things are not. So if you if you did something like that and then you remembered it, um, let's say like 25 years later, you wouldn't instantly want to go into the fetal position. Oh, God, no. I would make it into a funny story without an arc. <laughs> all right, let's, uh, let's okay. have the other one then. Next one's from Sean. I've been a drifter all my life, but I've recently decided that making some connections in my neighbourhood might make me happier in the long run, as much as that goes against all my drifter instincts. I am an avid home brewer, and somehow my neighbour picked this up from our occasional short and stilted conversations that we have before I make an excuse and retreat into my house. The other day, I found a crate of very nice, empty swing top bottles outside my garage, which are super useful to me as a home brewer. I had no idea who had dropped them off for a long time until my partner, also a drifter, ran into this neighbour who said that he dropped off the beer bottles. I thought it was extremely thoughtful, so I decided to brew a beer for him and take a six pack over to him in the same bottles. The beer has been in those bottles now for five weeks. I've been wanting to take them over to him, but keep making excuses and avoiding the whole situation. The main excuse I keep giving myself is that the timing is all wrong. So I pose this question to you. How can I engineer a way of giving him the beer at a time that isn't inconvenient and reduces chances of awkwardness? Clearly just walking over at any time and knocking on his door isn't an option. Now that I think of it, I don't even know if he likes beer. For all I know, his family could be teetotalers. I'm still getting used to stepping out of my drifter bubble, so I'd like to avoid a long conversation or worse, a conversation with one of his family members. 
Here's what I would do. Mm. I would go over and knock on the door. Mm. But then as they answer it, I, I would pretend to take a call and I would kind of mouth, oh, I dropped some beers off for you. That do like big thumbs up and stuff yeah brilliant yeah, thank you thank you can't beat that yeah. have you got any, any no, thoughts there's up? no that is brilliant okay. I love it I, we're back to the or an, or a note yeah I, as, as I was reading I was, th- I was thinking Lynn is thinking what why can't he just go over and drop them off and have a chat and have a chat no what is wrong with it what do you mean a convenient time no, every time I mean, it's convenient everywhere this to woman me. goes everywhere this woman goes she's striking up conversations no, and what it, what is your catchphrase <laughs> What is my catch? You just said oh, it. Oh, um, what did I say to today? <laughs> um, they, oh, they, they, they talked to me first. They started talking to me. Uh, That's a I brilliant. Think you go over. We're back to it's the gesture. Doesn't it's the gesture that you want to say thank you? You go over. Yeah, but you don't want to have a conversation with them. No, you don't have to. You say I've just dropped off the beers. I've I've got to go. Thank you. I'm just so on my much. way out. I, yeah, I'm yeah. on my way out. Here, here are. Um... But would you not think that person would think this? This is strange to me that she's she's come over with these beers at a time she needs to be somewhere else. Why hasn't she chosen a time where there's a five minute window to have some here, polite small talk? Here's the key: if this isn't a tier one person, you don't really give. Don't, don't, you, don't, don't you, you don't really. You else. don't really care mm. what she thinks of you. What? You didn't know. <laughs> oh, so you think like what? What does she mean? She means she means that they're not a close friend. So why do you care whether they think you made your gesture? Yeah. You said thank you. It was lovely. That's enough. I know it's confusing. It's very. Confusing. I am far more worried about what strangers and people who I suspect might dislike me think of me than I am people people who I like and are my friends. I don't. I don't get into what's it. Life is too short to be worrying about all that. So Wednesday, British Standard Time, Lynn is going to do a webinar <laughs> on how to not care as much with you your, with your tier twos and tier threes. If, here's, my, here's my other motto. If it's not fatal, it's not worth worrying about. Okay. okay. That's going to be hard for a lot of people to take on board. I also Very think hard. It is also, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure it, it would stand up to scrutiny. No, no, it wouldn't. But that's not that's the good point. point. Yeah, that's a very good point. Yeah. point. You sound like though. You know the old. Uh, I think it's Bob Newhart sketch where he's the psychiatrist and people come in and he listens to their problems. He goes, "Okay, here's what you need to do. Stop it." Oh yeah, that, I mean, that, that that's old, just oh, what you sound yeah, like. That's right. That Hold on, Lynn, you're a therapist, aren't you? Is this what you say to people who you <laughs> no, you know charge a very uh, you know a, a very. very Many pounds. Well, no, I was going to say a very reasonable oh. rate, and yet, uh, you know, um, uh, um, commensurate with your professional uh, skills and experience. Mm. So, so are you just saying to them, stop it? Don't feel like that. No, I would. Do you never look as confused? Stop it. I would say, what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen okay. if you do this? You okay. drop it off. Good you advice. say, I really appreciate. It. Thank you so much. I'm I'm on my way out. Enjoy the beer. They might think I'm rude. And if they think you're rude, what's the worst that could happen? They could start a whispering campaign against me. Well, that wouldn't happen. But let's say they did. What would and what then? What what would happen? My standing in the society would fall lower than it already is. I would feel even more like a pariah and an outcast than I already do. Would your wife still love you? It depends how far my social standing dropped. I imagine. Would, would your I mean, my financial standing has dropped, and that's that's not helped things. I'll be honest. She's still with you. Yes, but I mean, hanging on by a thread. Let's be honest. And would Jean still love you? I don't know. Maybe you'd find me pitiable. What about Annabelle? <laughs> I, I doubt it. 
Would I, only would Anna, I, Annabelle can answer that. Would, would I still love you? I think you're the only person who can answer that, but you might just say... Well, of course I would. Jeff, you're getting free therapy here. You realise this, don't you? Free, Thank you, yeah. Annabelle. I, I find this very interesting. I'm just worried if you know if we carry on like this, something's going to be unearthed. Uh, yeah, that's, that's why I I'm trying to... <laughs> There is the fear that something is lingering inside. She got to you. She got to the truth. In a therapy session, I want nothing more than something to be on Earth, but not necessarily on the podcast. Right. Well, then I'll see you later. (laughs) All right, you go and have your dinner. There she is, helping us out with the GLAP clinic here in Problematic this week. It's my mother-in-law quarantining with us, Lynn Barron. Don't hug Annabelle. Keep away from her. Two (laughs) metres. Two meters. I know it's metric. I don't know what that is, Imperial, but stay away from her. Um, Send us your quandary, please, if you want to know the social etiquette of any given situation. She's gone. (laughs) It's hello at adriftpodcast.com. Well, that was this week's Adrift. Thank you for listening to our podcast. We appreciate your ears. Thank you to my mother-in-law, Lynn Barron, for for joining us, uh, putting a little special guest appearance on this week's episode. We'd love to hear from you, your stories of social awkwardness. Have you ever ghosted a tradesperson or, in fact, anybody out of social awkwardness? Much easier to do now than it once was. Now you can block numbers on a phone. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, the email address is hello at adriftpodcast.com. Thanks to Man and the Echo for the, uh, for, for the music and to Emily Harrison for the incidental music. Kim Rainey designed our artwork. Carla Gowlett took photos. And I just mentioned Lynn, my mother-in-law there. I need to tell you something. Mm. The, the vegan bolognese sauce that she made. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was actually really good. No. Yeah, it was really, it had a lot of umami to it, you know, like a sort of strong, which you sometimes, I will admit, lack in vegetarian or vegan food. It had a really strong umami to it. The walnuts gave it such a nice crunch and there was a real depth of flavour to it. It was, it was lovely. Are you lying? Yes, yes, I am. Yeah. <laughs> Very yeah. good. At it. Hardication time. I feel like I'm just stifling a burp. Oh. Let me just try and me to massage your sternum. Mm. No, but you could scratch my back. <laughs> Would you scratch my back or is it like the hug thing? Why do you stand on scratching my back? Yeah, I'd scratch your back. Interesting. Mm. There's no risk of aerosol projection if no. my back is too... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it's from Shelley who says, Hi, Jeff and Annabelle. I don't expect for you to remember me, but I have been an on and off again friend since, friend since 2006. Shelley, I do remember you. Shelley Hubner. And yes, me too. I feel bad about this because some names I just always remember. Shelley's mm, is one of them. Yes. Others I can read out 50 podications from and they don't stick in my mind. It's a name. It's a very good name. It's a, very it's memorable. a great name, yeah. yeah. 
Although when I uh, read in this first sentence that you're not just on, you're off again, mm. I almost felt like pretending I didn't remember you out of spite. Oh, out of spite. So cross. <laughs> Shelley says, I rediscovered you a few months ago and I'm again a faithful drifter friend. That's oh, so lovely. She's back. I mean, am I right in remembering that we were even MySpace friends at some time, Shelley, or have I made that up? Oh, wow, you're dating yourself there. Well, th- I think there are a few people who are still with us that I was friends with on MySpace at the time. I think some of them, because I would bang, I was so obsessed with it. It was the first time I'd ever been on a social network. Do you remember? Yeah. When we first had it during the Jeff show, that I would look at it incessantly. It, it obsessed me. I was always changing my top friends, worrying about how many followers or they weren't followers, were they friends I had? All this stuff, getting excited when I had a new friend. It was really, for me, social media in its infancy, and I mm. really loved it. I always thought MySpace was for musicians, was it not? Initially it was. So what, what, would you post things on it? How did it work? So we had our little Jeff Show logo and it was a photo of me wearing a pink tie. I'm a little round John Lennon glasses with my long hair. And you'd have your top friends. I think you could arrange maybe nine of them. Hmm. And if you wanted to, you could write little blogs. You'd have all your interests in there. And then it was like Facebook. People could add you as friends and you could send each other messages and look at their profiles. And I'd get a big kick if a musician ever added me on there. But also listeners, I just loved it. It was really, really loved it. It was a very happy time social media wise for me, Uh. as opposed to now where I look at Twitter. I, I tend to lose followers rather than gain them these days. Mm. My number's plummeting. Really? Yeah. I'm sorry to hear that. I think I know why it is. Do you want to say? Yes. Go on. You know, I've been doing this Beatles show. Yes. Part of it is when the show is on the air, me and a bunch of people use the hashtag of the, the radio show and we tweet Beatles stuff. Mm. I think especially the people who initially started following me for the podcast I do with Ed Miliband uh. probably don't want to look at their phone on a Sunday morning and all of a sudden see 30 tweets about the Beatles. Okay. Mm. But anyway. There you go. Okay. I just feel like I have to be on Twitter for professional reasons. And yet Twitter is the it's it's just a it's a metric. It's a number that makes me unhappy and makes me think about my own failure. Okay, well, maybe uh, Lynn Barron can do a bit of therapy when you for this. What later. do you What do you think about Twitter? Twitter, I re- I I really like Twitter, but I don't get hung up on. I don't really tweet very much. So I go through little phases where I, where I get enthusiastic and I do a few tweets and I and I really enjoy it. But I think ultimately it makes me a bit unhappy and I prefer just being an observer and I really enjoy reading other people's tweets. I find I enjoy it more if I don't tweet. And are you not comparing yourself with your contemporaries whose careers are more successful than yours? Um, well, that's everybody so <laughs> I'm exhausted <laughs> but you're just watching the wheels go round and round you, you've got your other stuff going on with mm. your uh, entre- entrepreneurship mm. you, you, you're not you, know, you, you, you're not in the game at the minute apart from mm. this you've, mm. you've opted out yeah at the, at the moment who knows that may change but yes I've, I'm not yeah I'm not trying to do anything I can't it. opt out it's mm. like it's, mm. I'm imprisoned in yes, it yeah. and part of that imprisonment is that you're judged by the number of 
Twitter followers you have or your activity mm-hmm. on Twitter or which people follow you. So I feel like I have to join in with that. But all joining in with that does is make me feel more inadequate and, and when you more do aware a, of my own lack of success. When you do a tweet, talk me through um, what happens next. If I do a tweet? Yeah. Every part of me. If I ever do anything, mm. I think we talked about this a while ago, part of me is just thinking... This this could be you know this could be the one that changes things. The tweet that that. What yeah. I feel like is you know when a, a gambler is on a real losing streak, and instead of just thinking I've got a problem, I need to get out. Mm-hmm. I feel that I approach Twitter and so many things to do with my career. Like I'm I'm thinking this this could be the thing that turns it around though. Mm. And it's, then when the lights start coming in, how's that making you feel? Well, it it happens rarely. <laughs> At first, you know, you get a few and you think, oh, this mm. could be the one. Yeah. And then every now and again, every few months, I'll, I'll get one that is a moderate hit. Mm. But then what doesn't happen is it's not, I don't then become celebrated. And like I'll have these hit tweets and I think, look at all these people who've liked it. They've, and I can see because you get your metrics of how many people have looked at your tweet and how mm. many people have clicked on your profile. And it's often... An eye-watering number of people, mm. if it's been retweeted enough times. Mm. And then I just think those people have looked at my profile and thought, nah. Not for me. Yeah. Whereas somebody else will come along and they'll have a hit tweet and all of a sudden they get like 10,000 Twitter followers out of it. Mm. Whereas people, I've, I've either not occurred to people or I've occurred to people and they think, nah, you know, I might not switch the radio off if he was on, <laughs> but I'm not going to go as far as to press follow. What happens to me is that if on the rare occasions I do tweet and then like every now and then like it might get something like 90 likes, which would be a lot for me and I'd be really happy and I'd be like, yeah. And then I'd scroll down a bit more and someone would just written good morning and they'd get like 30,000 likes. Yeah. And I think, what? No, that's, yeah. this, 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 this isn't working right. No. <laughs> they put no effort into that. No. Mm, so I, so I don't find it healthy for me, doesn't? Yeah. But what 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 should I do though? Because if I was if it was a gambler, it's really obvious that I should stop gambling and seek help. But I can't stop my career and seek help. I, I just think I think that one day there'll be the tweet that's the one. You think so? <laughs> yeah. Keep going. Okay. I shouldn't just accept the decline. What I have found though is the less I tweet, the less followers I lose. <laughs> it's, it's good for keep because then people just don't know you're there. You you remind them of your existence. Think, why did I follow yes, that person? And unfollow yeah. you? Yeah, I do yeah. find that that's a good strategy if you want to keep maintain rather than lose. Yeah. Well, yeah. this I've only got one more week of the show for now, and then um, okay, I'll just crawl back under a rock. Okay. <laughs> See how that goes for you. I am worried about what's going to happen. I don't just mean in life. I just right. mean like now that I've, I won't have the Beatles to obsess me every week. So it was only a 12 week oh. run. Like, where's my brain going to go? Oh, God. All those different like thoughts to do with corduroy. I'm terrified already. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go back to Shirley. Yes. Do you know why I went on, off on that really long tangent? Well, and, I and excluded it. excluded Shelley. Mm, go on. Punishment. Punishment for, the, uh, for leaving us yeah. for a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Shelley, I hope you. Uh, you you know as well enough to know that this is coming from a, a place of peace and love. Of course. Shelley says, I'm a Canadian nurse. And I remember years ago when myself and other listeners uh, would contribute hospital stories of objects found at patients' backsides. Oh. Really doesn't seem appropriate with the current podcast. I don't know. I think, I think if someone... <laughs> 
wanted to tell a story about them being the patient rather than the doctor or the nurse and the embarrassment that followed there. I think we would love that. But I think people aren't that willing to admit it themselves, are they? It's always a story from the doctor or the nurse, isn't it? Yes, but I also think that unless you were a doctor who, if somebody came in with a plant pot up the bum mm. and then you were writing in to say what zinger you said to make them feel embarrassed, mm. you, the, the, you by default these would be awkward stories because... Uh, yeah. People yeah. are lying about what happened <laughs> and you have to pretend that they're not lying. Yeah, actually, you're right. I, I see no reason why we shouldn't have many more of these. The only thing I think is, you know, the Adam Kay book. Oh, yeah, brilliant. Between when we used to do this on the radio all the time and, and the Adam Kay book, I think he, he covered that quite extensively yes. in his book, so it feels a little yeah, done now. That's but true. I, I would never not enjoy those stories. Me too, me too. Shelley says, I'm turning 50 on the 27th of May. And if possible, would love a podication around that day. Well, this will come out on the 26th. So that's uh, that's not bad, is it? Job done. Yeah. I'm hoping I will be able to take a short holiday around that time and daydream about international travel. Mm. How much are you or aren't you daydreaming about international travel? I'm daydreaming about glamping. Really? Yes, I want to go glamping. You look so confused. No, no, here's, here's what I think. Here's what I think. Glamping. Great. Who doesn't love a bit of glamping? Yeah. But but a lot of people have been glamping or holidaying in this country because of the the restrictions mm. rather than giving carte blanche. That's what they do. And I, did, I, I think there are so many great places in this country i think it's interesting that you're daydreaming about something that we have been allowed to do mm. rather than daydreaming of being given back the freedom to do something that we haven't i don't i won't let myself go there very interesting mm. very i know it's not going to happen so i'm just going to stick to my glamping i think i don't know mm. i don't know that's good it's almost like expectation management yes isn't it? yes well, now I'm now I'm dreaming about. I, honestly, there, there's so many thoughts flitted in my head then of like beautiful beaches and mountains mm. and lakes and anyway, don't don't do it to myself. Stop. Carry on. Here's the thing. As I've said, I could sit here and eulogise about many wonderful places in this country. I really could. Mm. But. <laughs> Careful what you say. No, his, 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 um, I'm not going to say what I said to you oh, right. the other week, which okay. I think sounds a bit snobby <laughs> because it is snobby. Right. But uh, it's, it's the likelihood of either having to look at those places through drizzle whilst wearing a cagoule or being confined to the inside of a caravan or a B&B or a hotel or, or whatever it is. Mm. That's what that's what that's really why a lot of people are thinking about going abroad. It's mm. all, all the other stuff, yeah. broadening your horizons, seeing different cultures, yep. seeing the world. Great. But that's that but I think a lot of people when they think about going abroad it's just like to be able to relax without being rained on. Yes, yes, there is. That's that. that's all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Shelley says, thank you. I often listen to podcasts during my walks in my neighbourhood. My neighbours probably already think I'm a bit odd anyways. I've just realised what I've done there. I edited out 
as I was reading it because it's on the computer screen so Annabelle couldn't go through it with the pen anymore. This is a big change that's happened while you've been away, Shelley. Mm. Um, <laughs> the compliment, mm. but then without could, the compliment. I could have But here. without the compliment, yeah. the end of the sentence yeah. didn't make any sense. Yeah. That's why I didn't, I don't think. <laughs> Shelley, I hope you have a fantastic birthday. 50. Mm. A zero. It's quite something, isn't it? Yeah, a big circle. Mm. Your age has got a circle in it. I'm going to be 50 in a couple of years. Probably a couple of years. I am, aren't I? Am I? Yeah, two years. Yes. Mm. It is two years, isn't it? Yeah. Got a few friends turning 50 at the moment. How are they coping? Everyone seems to be doing quite well with it from what I can tell, but people aren't honest, are they? No, of course not, no. Unlike me, people <laughs> know better and keep their breakdowns to themselves. <laughs> Very few other people who would be boring people with their insecurities about Twitter followers no. and the state of their career. I think that's what I enjoyed hearing. They don't hear people talk about it. So yeah. It's very, very nice. Well, I just want out. I don't mean a suicide. I mean, good. yeah. Mm. Um, you know, life's short and there's stuff worth living for, mm, if that's mm, you. Mm. Just hang in there. Talk to people. Mm-hmm. I feel bad, really, because it's Shelley's 50th birthday <laughs> and I feel compelled to give advice to people who are having suicidal yeah. thoughts in the middle of her nice birthday podication. Well, I'm sure she'll overlook it and maybe someone will be glad. Shelley 50! I know! What a thing! Wow! It's the new um, 30, I think. It's gone down to that, is it? Yeah, it's all, you know who's who, uh, who's all down to? Who? Madonna. Uh, of course, always is. Yeah. Yeah, she made it okay to be 40. Mm. And now she is in, I believe, her 70s. And she looks like she's in her 20s. <laughs> what, is that not right? I've no idea. She's in her seventh decade. She's in her 60s. I think she must be in her 60s. Seventh I decade. I don't, I don't think she's okay. in her 70s. Okay, okay, Well, whatever. Yeah, yeah whatever. Yeah. Yeah. It goes to show, doesn't it? goes doesn't to it? show what Madonna's done, done for us all mm-hmm. these days. I mean, the reference will be lost on you, Shelley, but you're a very similar age to... Uh, to um, uh, Wilfred Bramble when he started playing Steptoe. Oh. Because that's what 50 used to look like. Mm. But now it's like Madonna 20 years ago. There you go. Or maybe not 20. But, you, you, you know, my point remains. It's great. She's a, she's blazed a trail for the rest of us. Thank you, Madonna. I like that line in 30 Rock where Jack, Jack Donaghy's sister Liz Lemon. 30, that's like 50 for a man. <laughs> Which... <laughs> Um, Shelley thank you for coming back yes the prodigal prodigal podcast listener it's good to have you back we welcome you into our comely bosom we're going to clasp you tight it's good to have you back our baby Shelley our baby (laughs) 50 Annabelle our baby our baby who'd have thought she'd be 50 yeah Um, there we go the latest edition of the podcast, podicated to Shelley Hubner, turning 50 tomorrow, depending on when you listen to this. Well, it's either tomorrow, it's like today, or it's in the past. <laughs> oh, God. Are you avoiding going back downstairs to your in-laws? <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, what, I, what it is. Yeah. My 
we've been going so long and i don't think this is going to be one of the longest ones uh by recent standards but we've been going so long that my, the, the screen on my computer is locked uh. and the effort of having to type my <laughs> password in to press stop on the recording feels exhausting to me so wow. i've just been carrying on talking like it's done now to put it off. Uh, so there we go uh shelly happy birthday if you'd like a podication email us oh it is long i've just seen oh wow. uh, yeah really quite long Ooh. how did that happen Ooh, i think it was that trio <laughs> <laughs> Um, and uh, yeah, email is hello at adriftpodcast.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.